The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, we have been in the book of Malachi, um, and so we're going to finish today, and we're going to finish within about less than 20 minutes. So if you could, for those of you who are prayers, if you could just pray for me, that I would stay like, I would, I would stay here and not walk around too much, because once I start walking around, you know it's going to take 50 50 minutes. Um, I'm going to read our text, but before we do, this is God's word. He is who he says he is. He has done what he says he has done, and he will do what he says he will do. Amen? Amen. We are going to be reading from Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. It says this, it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall and you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I've commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. God, we pray this morning that you would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to understand what you have to say to us today. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for your word through Malachi. God, it's, it's an old book, it's an ancient book, it's, it's got different things in it, but Lord, it is helpful for us even in this day. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the sun is like incredible. If you, if you know anything about science, which I don't, so I just ask my wife, um, the sun, I learned some things about the sun this week. The sun's circumference is 4,379,000 kilometers. This is a big ball. Uh, at its temperature, uh, on, the, on the surface of the sun, its temperature is 5,973 degrees Celsius. Feels like Brisbane. On the surface, that is. But when you get to its core, it is 15 million degrees Celsius. Without the sun, we cannot live. We need the sun. It provides life. It provides sunlight. It provides vitamin D. As someone who has struggled with uh, mental health, one of the things that I learned through my mental health sort of recovery has been the importance of sunlight even to my mental health as the sunlight actually helps produce serotonin in your brain. And so one of the best things for those of us who might struggle with sunlight is to just, uh, struggles with sunlight, <laughs> struggles with mental health, is just to be kind of outside and outdoors. Uh, but what we also know about the sun is that the sun produces wrinkles. <laughs> and for someone like me with my awesome tanned olive skin, uh, the sun has the ability to bring about death. So I've had five melanomas cut out of me because the sun has actually affected me in a negative way. So this, this flaming ball of heat, the center of our uh, galaxy has the power to bring both life and death. And the same sun that melts the ice hardens the, hardens the clay. Right? And this is kind of what Elijah 
uh, sorry, what Malachi is doing here is he's saying, hey, there is this one day where the sun will rise, this is talking of God, that God will come. And on that day, it'll have different effects on different people. And it's been uh, said last week, Shane hit a bit on, um, on that and how it kind of is like it's, it's good and bad. I want to hit on a few things today. I think I've got five things for us that I think Malachi is trying to finish off his prophecy. And remember, he, prophetic words in the, in the Old Testament, there's always like different stages of fulfillment. So it's like a mountainous view and you're not sure which mountain is first, which one is second. So when these guys are prophesying, it's kind of like there's a bit of fulfillment here and then there's a bit of fulfillment there. So in this, what he's saying is Jesus is coming and then he's going to come again. So there's two kind of mountain tips of this, this prophecy and in them there are five things that occur and all of them, all of them are actually good news. So for those of you who are kids and not listening, if you want to write these down, they're big words. Okay, so number one is vindication. So verse four, uh, chapter 4 verse 1 it says, For behold the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and the evildoers will be stubble. The day is coming. That day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, that it will leave them neither root nor branch. And then verse 3 said, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord. So the Lord here, Malachi is speaking of the final day, the, the second advent of Jesus. And, and what he's saying is there is coming a day when all sin will be gone. All evil will be removed. And when we hear that, and when we listen to some of the, the metaphors and the way he speaks, it's like, it's quite harsh. It's quite brutal. It's kind of like there's this, like this fire and this blaze, and you're like, whoa, that's hectic. But it's really important for us to not skip this. The reason that we need to hear this is because it tells us two things about God that are absolutely vital to the Christian faith. Number one, God is is holy. You and I don't know holy. We live in unholy. You and I have never been in the presence of utter perfection and majesty and transcendence in our lives. And if you read the Bible, if you read this book, every time someone gets in some sense of that, some form of that, they fall on their face and go, holy heck. What is, what is that? And the Bible says that thing that causes dread and fear in you, that is just the presence and the person, God. He is utter holiness, utter perfection. He is set apart. He is something completely otherly. He is in a class all by himself and there is none like him. He is separate. He is distinct. He is infinite perfection, infinite greatness, infinite goodness, he is majestic. He is a quality like no other, a beauty like no other, a being like no other. And because of that, and he is making creation, he says, I want everything to be like that. Now, the scary thing for us is we go, but I'm not like that. And there is good news for us because in this, it tells us how we can encounter God. But it only tells us about his holiness this also tells us about God's love. The Bible clearly states all throughout Scripture that God takes no delight in judgment, none whatsoever. But he must do it if he actually loves his kids. 
This is really important. We have a lot of educators in this room, and I feel like I'm going to get some amens. So for those of you who are educators, shout them out, because this is, this is truth, right? At a school, if you are at a school, and there is a bully in the school, it would be unloving for that school to continue to allow the bully to keep bullying. If the school genuinely loves its people, it must deal with the bully to say, you don't get to do that to these students. We must act. Why? Because we have like a moral equity going on, but also because we love these kids and we love these families. Can I get an amen from the educators? Great. That was really half-hearted. Well done, guys. Amen. Amen. There you go. Society has to do the same thing. We cannot allow certain people to operate and function as normal human beings in our society because they will hurt it. So we have a system that says if you commit these things against people in general, we are going to put you over here. We are going to remove you because we love our people. Does that make sense? Parents, we as parents would not allow an abuser to remain in connection with our children. We will separate them because we love our kids. It is the love of God, not just the holiness of God, where God says, no more sin, no more evil, I will protect my children forever, and there is a day coming when I'm going to separate these. And we will be vindicated on that day. And this is actually good news. There is a day coming where sin will be gone. If you look at our world and you don't hope for that day, This is the hope of us, is one day he's going to remove it all. And listen, on that day, there will not be a single moment of sacrificial obedience to Jesus that you will regret. There is not a single moment of fighting against your own sin, denying it in your life, that you will regret. There's not a single act of generosity that you will regret on that day. There's not a single Sunday where you, instead of like getting up and going to the beach or maybe dealing with kids and it's just too wearisome, of coming to church, you will never regret a single act of making that decision to be here on a Sunday on that day. Every single moment of your journey and your wrestle with God will be vindicated on that day and you will look back and go, thank the Lord for His grace and the relationship I had with Him. You and I will be vindicated. Verse 2, but. But is like my favorite word in the whole Bible. I know it's a very simple word. I know we could come up with some other words. But is the great. But is the best word. Listen to a few of these verses. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In Genesis 50, 20, with Joseph coming back to his brothers, you intended harm to harm me, but God intended it for good. Isaiah 48, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Genesis 8, 1, but God remembered Noah and the wild animals. Deuteronomy 7, he the Lord... He, Lord, did not love you and chose you because of the outnumbered peoples. You were the smallest nation of the earth, but the Lord loved you and wanted to keep his promise. I could go on and on and on. Jonah, 
to the roots of the mountain. I sank down. The earth beneath barred me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. And my favourite, Ephesians 2, where it says multiple times, and you were dead in trespasses and sins twice, and you were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he even loved us, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. But, and what is the but? But for you who fear my name. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the storm. Now, I've been told today not to dance. I'm going to try and obey that instruction. But all week, as I've been reflecting on just these, this one verse, it just makes my heart want to dance. So there you go. That's my dance. All right. Second thing we get is not just vindication. It's righteousness. It's a sun of righteousness. So in the same way that the sun has rays and gamma rays or whatever they're called, the rays of Christ coming into the world is exerting righteousness into the world. So this world is broken. It's decaying. It's filled with sin and death. And Jesus is coming. This is such a good prophecy. And he is going to deal with sin. He is going to bring rightness into the world. He is going to start to reorder the world. Praise God. But not only that, he's not just exerting righteousness into the world, but he will exert righteousness into the hearts of those who fear him. So now the desires I once had, I no longer have. The things I used to think were okay, the things that I used to want to do, God has reoriented my heart to say, I don't want to do that no more, I want to do this. I don't want to just serve myself, I actually want to love people. Like, that's crazy, God is so good. And so there is a sense in which God in his vindication will remove all sin, but also he will bring about righteousness because Christ never takes away something that he doesn't replace with something better. And so if sin is what fractured and turns the world upside down, then Christ is coming to bring his righteousness, which will turn the world right side up. The Bible tells us of Jesus that he is the light of the world, coming to shine light into darkness to course correct. Then it says that we have healing. So this son of righteousness will come and shall rise with healing in its wings. I've got any surfers in the room? Any surfers? There's a couple, a couple surfers. Okay, anyone who likes to go to, to mountains and watch sunrises on mountains? Anybody like that? Okay, good. I've got four people I'm talking to. The rest of you, I don't know what you're doing with your lives, but anyway, that's fine. Um, I used to go surfing and I was a really, really bad surfer. Uh, but all my friends used to like to go surfing. And so we'd go down, we'd drive down to the coast, we'd leave it about 3.30 in the morning so that we could be down the coast, and then we'd get sort of out on the water before 5 a.m. And because I was a crap surfer, all I knew how to do was just sit in the board and look like I could surf. So I did that for until about 11 o'clock, and then I'd finally catch a wave, stack it, and everyone would be like, man, you surf. I sure do. Um, but all we used to do, we'd get out, we'd get out into the ocean, and we'd sit on our boards, and we'd just watch the sunrise. And slowly the orange and red would just like spread across the whole of the water. And slowly it would just get brighter and brighter until that hot ball of sun would just rise in the middle. This is the picture. It's the wings of God, the orange and red of a sunrise covering the world. It's the wings of God. So every time you see a sunrise, it's supposed to, it's supposed to point you to, this is, this is the promise of God bringing about healing and restoration across the whole world. 
And so as sin brought death and decay into this world, this is often what you and I smell, the embers of. Death, decay. We see it in sickness and disease. We see it in brokenness of relationships. We see it all the time. But there is a promise that Jesus is coming and has come in one sense and will come again where he is bringing about healing. Thank the Lord that Jesus is a healer. Jesus comes when he enters the world. What is he doing all throughout the Gospels? Healing. Gigi and I at the moment, we're reading through the Gospel of Mark. And she keeps asking why the disciples so dumb to not realize that this is the Messiah because all he does is heal everybody along the way. She's like, when are they going to get it? Like, why are they so dumb? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm not dumb, though. <laughs> I knew. Um, but there's a sense in which he was healing and healing and healing and healing. He's casting out demons. He's doing all these things which are proving this is the promised one that would come. This is the son of righteousness coming into the world and he is healing. And I love this because there have been times in my life where I didn't just need spiritual healing. I needed physical healing and the Lord has provided it. God heals people physically. He still does it today. So that's why we want to say, if you are sick in any way, we don't promise he's going to heal every single time, but we do believe he can. We do believe he does. So we're going to keep praying for it. And often we see God come through and bring about miracles in people's lives where God heals people. So as a church, we say we pray like crazy. We trust completely, but we're going to pray. But not only does God heal physically, God heals mentally. For those of us who who maybe are low in serotonin, like God can heal our minds. God heals emotions. God heals and restores relationships. God is the great healer. And the one who Malachi is promising is the one who is going to come and begin to heal the world. Number four, freedom. It says you should go out leaping like calves from the stall. For those of you who love animals, we're a big animal family. If ever you've experienced an animal being cooped up for a period of time and then you just open the gates, you get the picture. They are free. And they just like bolt. we got chickens and as soon as they hear like the food's coming or they hear a voice, like we've got chickens just running. Our dog had an operation and he couldn't run and we kept him on a lead and then one day we took off the lead and he sprinted. This is the picture. There is a day when Jesus will come into the world and will come again and his people are going to be so free that we can't help but leap like newborn calves who are just free. Have you had a moment like this in your life? Maybe you got that phone call and you got that job and you were like, yes, I got it. Uh, Maybe... Um, maybe a bit like me, um, you remember your first kiss. And I remember our first kiss. Carly loves this story. I remind her how, like, how much of a great moment it was for her. Um, we were, were walking on Malulabar. The, the, the moon was up in the sky, and eventually we had our first kiss. And I remember walking her back to the car, opened up the door, put her in, and as I went around this, I was just like... <laughs> and then hopped back in my car, right? She never knew I did that. She's only just found out that now. But I remember like, I was just like, oh my God, that was amazing. Okay, I didn't dance. That was a spin and a bit of a leap. 
there are, there are these human moments that we have that kind of like where we are overcome with emotion and joy and freedom, where we're just like it does something to us. We can't help but express it. This day, we will not be like this. We will be rejoicing. We will be celebrating because all things have been made right and we are free. No more sin, no more suffering, no more problems, no more issues, no more drama in our lives, no more trauma. Number five is restoration. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. I love this. If you've been with us through Malachi... Big problem in Malachi's day is Malachi's men of his day are doing the opposite. They are destroying relationships. They are leaving women, affecting children, and it is a problem. And so Malachi's Israel is filled with men committing acts of treachery and injustice. But the Elijah to come, Jesus to come's Israel will be full of righteousness and peace. And his day would be one of revelation, repentance and reconciliation. There will be a day coming when relationships will be restored. And if there is something that you and I feel, particularly leading into Christmas, often it is that disharmony in our hearts of broken relationships. And we are reminded of them again and the complexity of having to sit at that table or be in that room or have that Christmas day. And Jesus has come to restore all things, inaugurated by his death and resurrection, and one day it will be consummated in his second advent when he comes and says, all is good, all is well. You and I will know nothing of hate. You and I will know nothing of a feeling of injustice. All we'll know and experience is love and joy and peace, and I cannot wait for that day. And what the Bible tells us is that day has begun. And so we get a taste of it now, and one day we'll uh, experience it in all of its glory. And as the band come up, I think there are just two things that he gives us that we are to do in the meantime. Between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, the whole point of this book has been how do we have vibrant faith? And I think there are two things in here. Verse 2 said, but for those who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You should go out leaping like calves from a stall. So if there's something, if there's an application for us as a church, it is walk with Jesus. Fear his name. See him in his glory, in his transcendence. See him in his holiness and the fact that that holy being has come to rescue unholy people and to restore us to himself and restore this world back to himself. This is the good news of Jesus, that he died on the cross, took the, the, the sort of that, that moment of separation from God and that, that punishment for sin. He has done that. Now you and I are no longer counted as the unrighteous and the unholy. We are counted as being the righteousness of God. We are his people. So now we, we get nothing but joy. We don't fear the day of the Lord. We can't wait for it because in that day there is no separation. So what Jesus through Malachi is saying, so start now to fear me. Start now to walk with me. Start now to know me and understand me. And then secondly, it's just follow his ways. So verse 4 said, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb. This is him pointing them back to the great day where they made a covenant with Moses. Horeb is another way for saying Sinai, where they made a covenant. 
And God rescued his people. And he said, now as my people, rescued, experiencing the grace and mercy of God, now live. Live out of that grace. Live out of that mercy. And I love that it says remember, because if you, if you do remember, throughout this, God has spoken about a book of remembrance where the names of his people would be in it. And he's saying, I remember you. Will you remember me? I have you on my mind. Will you allow me to be on your mind? And walk and journey and follow my ways as the people of God saved by the grace and mercy of God. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for this book of Malachi. There are so many things in this book. There's so many things even just in this last six verses, God, that we we can't even begin to touch and unpack. But Lord, in it, we are seeing time and time again, you calling your people back to vibrant faith, saying, come follow me, come trust me. Turn away from your sin and being the gods of your own heart and turn towards me. Let me be your God and let me put my righteousness in your heart so that you would live as righteous people as I've called you to live. Jesus, I pray, looking towards this Advent season where we journey and think through your coming, it blows us away that the holy transcendent God would want to be with people that are broken, hurting and lonely but this shows us that not only are you holy you are loving and kind and gracious and merciful and we thank you God for your character we thank you God for your grace we thank you God for your mercy we thank you for your presence towards us that never leaves us never forsakes us and we thank you that the son of righteousness has come and will come again and we look forward to that day in Jesus name And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.